Hello, welcome. Another episode of the Rebuild Podcast is upon us. It's the best time of the week. I am your host, for usual, Jordan Zern. You can find me at Klebzerm, where um, I am strictly tweeting out clips of Dylan Windler from Summer League. So this is now, my account is now a Dylan Windler fan account. Um, so please, you know, take that news, digest that if you need to take some time. But um, I will only be tweeting um, clips of, of Dylan moving forward. So that's a big announcement for me there. Um, if you are not following other Blue Wire pods... Uh, including our Real Sports podcast that has been hanging out in the top five of the iTunes top 200 in sports and recreation. You need to rectify that. Go ahead and uh, hit them with a subscribe. Hit Jake Burns with a subscribe. Jake Burns of the Browns Film Breakdown, who just had his name in the physical newspaper, the physical plain dealer. And uh, I came across that today, and that was super cool. So be following him as well. Follow the Chase Down pod. Justin and Carter talking all things Cleveland Cavaliers. As you know, big free agency summer for the Cavs. A lot of free agents they've been chasing, clearly. Um, You know, they missed out on Anthony Davis. They missed out on Kevin Durant. They missed out on Kyrie Irving. They're not going to get Kawhi. That's really tough. You know, those were all the guys that they really had on their radar that um, I was hoping the Cavs could get all of them. And just find a way, just get rid of everybody on the roster and just sign those like four players and maybe plus LeBron. But um, it didn't work out that way. So um, that's been really tough. But uh, maybe we'll get, uh, maybe they'll re-sign David Nwaba. So, you know, subscribe to the Chase Down for all of your very important free agency news. I obviously say all of that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. The Cavs are actually in a really great position. And um, it's uh, not having to worry, not having to track a plane anymore as the Canadians are doing with Kawhi Leonard as I'm recording this. That's great. I remember, you know, we were tracking LeBron's plane, and um, that was it was too much. It was too emotional, too much of an intense experience, and that is currently what's happening in Canada. So um, I'm I'm a little relieved not to be doing that now. The Cavs will we're gonna we're, we'll start this podcast with uh, talking some Cavs because I do, on a serious note, want to talk about the greatest summer league player of all time, that is Dylan Windler. But um, the Cavs, you know, they're gonna have, I think they're gonna have like 55 million come off the books. Um, as they go into next season, the amount of expiring contracts they have is sort of wild. You know, Tristan Thompson is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. You have um, Brandon Knight. You've got Matthew Del Vadova. Um, I'm trying to think. John Henson's an expiring contract. They have like six or seven expiring contracts. So they're going to have a lot of money come off the books. Unfortunately, next year is not the most, the greatest year for free agent. But I think, but I think that's okay. The Cavs are going to be bad again. Um, they're going to have another high draft pick, pick hopefully. And, um, you know, they... I think they'll probably try and sign more people than that. You know, this year they're not going to be players in free agency at all, aside from maybe David Nwaba, and that doesn't really even count. So um, they'll probably be fairly quiet next year too, and then um, the summer after that, when the class is a little bit better, um, they will be able to sort of dive into that as well. Uh, but they're in a they're really in a good spot, and uh, it's it's nice to just sort of sit back and. Um, yeah, have a have a crop of young players to sort of enjoy, and that takes me to the opening days of Summer League, which the Cavs are playing in Salt Lake City for the first time, and then they will then go to Las Vegas, which for a while was the, the only Summer League. Um, 
And uh, so, so the Cavs are doing back-to-back summer leagues in these early days of July. Uh, there have been two summer, leagues game, two summer league games in Salt Lake City. The Cavs lost to both the San Antonio Spurs um, and the Utah Jazz. Obviously, much like preseason or spring training, none of that matters. Uh, what does matter is that Dylan Windler, who the Cavs took out of Belmont as uh, one of their first-round picks, And with Darius Garland and Kevin Porter Jr. both sitting out, I think Garland's probably not going to play in Summer League at all. I think the Cavs are hopeful that Kevin Porter Jr. will play in Las Vegas. But Salt Lake Lake City has belonged to Dylan Windler, especially in his first game when they took on the San Antonio Spurs. And uh, obviously, you know, I like to have fun, especially on my Twitter account, um, just being nothing but positive and over the top, uh, especially when it comes to rookies playing in Summer League. but But I do think... Finally, getting to see Dylan Windler play instead of just trying to figure out what he was and watching, you know, some the the small amount of highlight tapes that are available from his time at Belmont on YouTube. Um, I mean, it's if he's going to be somebody that's going to be able to shoot like he sort of shot through the first couple days. Now he had a quiet, he had a pretty quiet night last night against the Utah Jazz. Now they're essentially playing a back to back. Uh, they're out there in the altitude. They're probably not, uh, the conditioning's not great. So, um, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But he did he did a hit, hit a couple more threes. He has a very, you know, what everybody thought about him looks to be true, that he shoots the ball really, really well. I believe he had a true shooting percentage at Belmont of 66%, which is um, incredible. And that looks like at least his shooting ability is going to carry over to the NBA. What's I think even more exciting is that he's doing it both off the bounce and off the catch. So, you know, the one video that sort of went as viral as a video from the Summer League can uh, of him pulling up from Steph Curry range and, and uh, draining a three against the San Antonio Spurs from from way, way deep. Um, so that was, that was great. That got me hyped. Um, but he also, you know, his shot is, you know, if he's wide open, it's like he's going to make it. He had a, you know, a couple corner threes he's hit. The net has barely moved on. But he's also been able to, you know, He's got a quick decision, catches the ball off the pass, somebody goes under a pick, and he's pulling up, and he's splashing. Um, it looks like he can, it looks like he's a decent cutter off the ball. Um, his handles aren't great, and I think, you know, that'll be something that uh, I'm not sure how much success he's going to have dribble driving, but he can't. He can put it on the floor, and he's done it a couple times. Now, finishing around the rim and getting it over outstressed defenders is going to be, um, I think, an issue for him, and uh, his handles aren't as tight as they probably need to be. He's going to have to put on weight. He's going to have to get stronger. But um, he can put it on the ground. His handles are, are fine for somebody of his size. And um, he made a, he's made a couple of nice cross-court passes, too. So, I mean, there's things that, you know, on a serious note, you don't want to overreact to any of this summer week stuff. You're playing against guys you'll never hear of again in your life. And um, But I think the things that you can sort of try and project out into the NBA level, his shooting, I think, appears to be something that is not going to be an issue. It's going to be a matter of getting himself open. It's going to be a matter of how consistent he is you know, shooting off the catch, uh, going around picks and making decisions um, and continuing to cut off the ball. But that, encouraging from the first couple of nights, especially that first game. And um, the stroke is pure. And that's big. You know, the Cavs haven't really, he's going to be really important to spacing the floor. And the Cavs outside of Kevin Love did not have a lot of people to space the floor last season. And so this is, uh, I think he's going to be important. And it's going to be fun to sort of watch his development. Uh, I'm anxious to see. Kevin Porter Jr. in Vegas because he's probably the most unknown in terms of just like his skill set and what he can do of all these people. Um, And we won't see Garland until 
uh, the preseason, I would imagine. So, um, so we won't get a look at Garland for a while. But uh, Kevin Porter, anxious to see what he's going to bring. But yeah, Dylan Windler, some best summer league player in the history of the NBA. So that's great. Um, I made a joke on Twitter, but I'm pretty sure this is really what's happening. Kawhi Leonard will not make his decision yet because he was just floor. He was sitting back. Um, he paused his. He was binging. Um, he was binging something on Netflix. I think the show that he really has gotten into, as I have, has been easy on Netflix. We were texting back and forth. You know, a lot of just life lessons in that show, stuff to be learned. Um, at, but he switched, you know, he was binging and he's like, let me check out this Cavs Summer League game. And I think he saw Dylan Windler and was like, hold on, do I, do I need to add the Cavs to my list of free agent destinations? And the answer, obviously, a resounding yes. So um, I think Kawhi, that's why the decision's taking so long, because how can you not watch. Dylan Windler in that first game and think about, you know, playing with him five, ten years down the road and winning multiple championships. I don't see how, you know, I, I could see that becoming overwhelming. So, you know, take all the time you need, Kawhi, to make this decision. Dylan's going to be here. Dylan's ready to welcome you with open arms. He'll even let you, um, you know, he'll try. He It's obviously his team, but Kawhi, you would fit in nicely as sort of a second piece, um, a, a complementary player to the GOAT that is Dylan Windler. So uh, we'll, we will see what Kawhi and where he makes his decision and what happens. But I think Dylan's given him uh, a lot to think about. So, yeah, Summer League continues tonight. The Cavs play their last game tonight. I believe they're taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant has not been playing. He's obviously um, coming off offseason uh, surgery to... Uh, help with uh, uh, on his leg. Um, so he has not been playing, so no John Morant to watch. That would have been fun. But uh, Dylan Windler, game three, unless he doesn't play, which he might not. Who knows? He's played two games in a row, so I don't know if they'll even play him tonight. And then don't watch it. It's not worth it. Um, I, I am the guy, though, that I subscribed for a free trial of YouTube TV just so I could watch Kev Summer League. And, and Summer League is always so much better in your head than what it actually turns out to be. I mean, watching Dylan in that first game was great. But you're just, it's bad basketball. It's guys that are like have never played with each other before in their lives. Um, guys who you can't, you don't even, you know, you don't recognize them without the name on their jersey. You don't recognize them with the name on their jersey. And this is no, obviously, no shot at any of them. It's a very cool platform for them to be able to play and have uh, other scouts from NBA teams watch them and open up avenues to get attention of teams that didn't exist before. But um, yeah, you know, when you're, you're watching somebody that the you know Cavs brought over from Israel, and um, you know he's bricking a three. It's just like you know it's hard to. Those second halves can be a tough watch, a tough watch. So you always get like, yes, summer league's on tonight. My night's gonna be great. And then you watch the first quarter, and you're like, I've made a mistake. I need to watch something else. Um, but a plug for YouTube TV, which I think is be- much better than Sling. I've just had YouTube TV. It's like a five day free trial. Um, and it's way, I, Sling is kind of garbage. I've had Sling for a couple of years, and it's just um, every day it seems to get worse, and videos or uh, streams get worse, and and skip and buffer and all of this stuff. My internet's pretty decent, and I've had no issues with YouTube TV. I think the interface is better. Um, it's a longer conversation for another day, but uh, I'm a big fan of YouTube TV. So if you're looking for another streaming service, I, I would. that's where my recommendation would go. Uh, you get... I think it's a little more, it's like 50 bucks a month, but you get NBA TV, which is what um, the Cavs have been on. You get all the Sports Time Ohio, Fox Sports Ohio, um, and you get some just regular, like, uh, you can get, like, just Fox, or, like, I watch the Women's World Cup game on YouTube TV, and usually I have to use an antenna for that, 
and I think you can get CBS and, uh, you know, the antenna is, is dicey no matter what. Sometimes channels come in and sometimes they don't, those basic cable channels. So that's cool too. Anyway, that's my spiel about YouTube TV. Please um, sponsor me and give me money. Moving on to, you know, this is the dead period for Browns. That's why we've sort of been um, talking a lot of calves. If you missed my conversation with Brian Windhorst last week uh, on the most recent well, this is the most recent, but the uh, last week's episode of The Rebuild, we talked a lot about um, how the Cavs wound up with Darius Garland, and uh, Brian was high on Dylan Windler. We had a great Dylan Windler conversation, and then he went out and balled. So take a listen to that. Um, really good stuff with Brian, but yeah, doing some more Cavs-centric stuff, and especially as we go through the offseason. You know, it is uh, Brown's training camp. It's already July. It will be happening at the end of this month, but in between that, there's not a lot happening. You know, the one piece of Brown's quote-unquote news it came out today. It's not really even news, but David Njoku uh, was on the Rich Eisen show, and he was, Rich Eisen asked him, because this is, you know, it's hard to ask about football stuff right now, but he asked David Njoku if what Baker Mayfield said about Hugh Jackson and how Baker Mayfield sort of behaved towards him after the games against Cincinnati and on the sidelines was a, was a reflection of how everybody felt about Hugh Jackson in the um in the locker room. And I, I will admit, for a long time, I was like, any Hugh Jackson slander, say it. Go ahead, do it. Especially after Hugh Jackson went on first take. Um, but in the period of time that's passed since then and now, um, I, I'm a little I'm a little exhausted by it. Like, his name being brought back up is just kind of, it's an old, it's an old and stale story. You know, there's not even really much there to begin with. Uh, there's nothing really there's nothing even contra- I, people love to make this stuff controversial uh, when it's just people speaking their minds about not liking somebody I, you know we all have met people in life that we do not like whether you're professional a professional relationship with them whether you are friends with them and things have soured like there are just you're not going to like everybody um, there's too many differing personalities in the in the universe to like every single person and um David Njoku's saying that we didn't like what he, you know, I think this is a reference to Hugh Jackson sort of going on first take and passing the buck for blame and all of this stuff. And, you know, he said he wasn't a big fan of him saying that. And he also felt like, um, you know, I like that he said we're not robots. We, we as human beings feel certain emotions and things towards other people. And they didn't like what Hugh Jackson had to say. And they appreciated that Baker Mayfield was willing to sort of get up on a podium and express that. And, you know, he... I think Baker chose to be the face of that, and it took that on for his team. And I think, as you as you could have guessed by things that happened, like Demarius Randall handing him a football, um, I don't think anyone by the end of Hugh Jackson's tenure in Cleveland was, was a fan of Hugh. But I also, you know, at this point, it feels like those questions and those answers are, you're not going to get anything from anybody that's going to be surprising or that's going to be worthwhile and um I, I thought David's answer was was good and I thought it was you know he addressed it um in a way that doesn't stir the pot too much although you can stir up the pot however you feel with anything but um yeah I don't know I I think it's it's no longer a surprise to know that everybody on the Browns probably despised Hugh Jackson by the time he was done there and then he went on first take in a terrible suit and said a lot of wild stuff and that that will remain one of the most surreal experiences of my life was waking up putting on first take to see Hugh Jackson days after being fired going on a media tour like even Magic Johnson waited a little bit after he abruptly resigned from the Lakers to go on first take and flame Rob Palinka, 
Like, he gave it a week. Hugh Jackson was like, two days, let's go, set it up, I'm in. Stephen A, let's go. So, uh, surreal, very surreal. Um, although first take is apparently now the place for um, angry employees to voice their to voice their grievances with their former employers. So, uh, I'm going to keep that in mind for if I ever have a bad breakup with a job, I'm going to call Stephen A, who may not make it through this free agency period if the Knicks since the Knicks aren't going to sign anybody. Um, but I'm going to call Stephen A and just be like, yo, anytime you need me on the show for some content, I will. I am ready to roast my former employer. So whatever you need from me, let's go. Um, so yeah, so that's really, you know, outside of Baker's getting ready to get married. Congratulations to him. Looking forward to seeing some embarrassing photos from that. I don't know if he's had his bachelor party yet. Just, um, you know, Baker, be cool. Don't end up in a blow-up swan, and uh, I think we'll we'll be good there. That reminds me of Kareem Hunt, who, in a hilarious, uh, the situation is not hilarious. What, regardless of like, it doesn't seem like he was in an altercation. The story was, a rumor started going around. Was it yesterday that he had been out? And there was a fight that people thought he was involved in, but then it sort of went from that into, no, his friends were involved in it, or he was around a fight, whatever. He was at Barley House on a Saturday, which is, um, don't do that. Don't go to Barley House on a Saturday. One, as a principal. Two, if you're Kareem Hunt. So, and as a, as a Clevelander, Kareem should know this. Don't go to Barley House. on Don't go to West Six on a Saturday night. Just don't do it. Uh, there are going to be clowns who are going to try and... Um, start something with you and it's just a bad situation to be in and from what i've heard kareem hunt has frequently been out and about since he's been here in cleveland and um that's just uh that's a not a smart move and i hope he scales it back a little bit i don't care if you're going out every once in a while but if if kareem is going out as frequently as some of the whispers I've heard, then that is uh, certainly concerning. And then it will not be surprising if something, if he, you know, if a fight breaks out or something happens and he's involved in it because people are, people are trash and they're going to try and get him involved in something. And um, yeah, so, you know, I know he met with the Browns organization. I know they put out a brief statement about, they spoke to him, you know, he wasn't, obviously wasn't charged with anything or anything like that. But anytime you're hearing his name in connection with something that isn't um, his, uh, his work, his in-facility workouts and how good he's looking, it's all bad. So, you know, hopefully Kareem, you just you just wonder and you just don't know. And this is why people, guys get in trouble and this is why guys get in trouble multiple times. And then you hear something like they still haven't really figured out that going out to the wee hours of the night as a professional football player who has experienced trouble in his past is probably not the greatest move. But I did, on a lighter note, the TMZ video, whoever took the video and sent it to TMZ of a like slow motion Kareem Hunt explaining something to the police. And it's just like a five second loop of that is hysterical. Some of TMZ's videos where they're like exclusive, it's just so funny to me because it's literally like just Kareem Hunt being like, everything's fine. But then they put it in slow motion for some reason to, to like add dramatic effect to him talking to a police officer on a side of the street. So, um, had a good laugh, had a good chuckle with that, but for real, Kareem Hunt, stop, don't go to Barley House. Just as a PSA to everybody, don't do it, don't go there. There's other places downtown that you can have a nice, much more quiet night, more, more private night than you're going to get at, uh, at Barley House, where um, you're probably going to get hit by a, a sparkler uh, that's coming in one of those um, 
a bottle of Ace of Spades or whatever it is. So don't do it. So anyway, so that's the Browns news. That's what's happening in the dead period. And it's called the dead period for a reason. We got David Njoku in a floral shirt uh, having to talk about Hugh Jackson again and Kareem Hunt going to Barley House. So a uh, training camp cannot start soon enough. I saw that tickets for, I think the first couple of days are already completely sold out. It's going to be a zoo. I mean, it's going to be a zoo. It's going to be an absolute zoo. Um, it looks like most of the Browns wide receivers and skill position players are out in California for a throwing session. Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, uh, Baker Mayfield was out there. Odell Beckham Jr. is out there. So it looks like I think Hollywood Higgins is out there as well. So uh, that's really that's fun. That's what they did last year with Tyrod Taylor, and now they're doing it with Baker, and they're and they've added in Odell. So you know, there's going to be videos that are going to get you excited. There's going to be more videos. I think of Miles Garrett doing workouts that I'm pretty sure are going to kill him. So please, Miles, be safe, and don't do 40 inch jump box with <laughs> box jumps with dumbbells in your hand. That is insane. I don't know how his legs don't explode. If you haven't seen that video. Just search his name, and it will come up. He is not of this world. So we f- before I finish off this episode with a, um, a brief interview I did with Rashard Higgins uh, during minicamp, just talking to Rashard about his journey back from being cut, uh, from being signed to the practice squad, to being on a team that went 0-16 and 1-15, and, and all of that great stuff. Um, fun chat with him. I did want to talk about a brand new sponsor that is on board with Blue Wire, and it, it's, it's involved with something that is really my greatest joy in life, and that is sleep. Sleep is so important, and it's also just great. You get to be in a comfy bed, and you get to rest your head on a fluffy pillow. And I, you know, we don't talk about enough how great sleep is. Um, and if, you, if you're not getting the proper amount of sleep, it's, uh, it's actually a really big issue in your quality of life. Listen to these studies from Harvard and also John Hopkins that say chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease, all terrible things. We need eight hours of sleep. And I know you're probably like me and like most people that if you do not get enough sleep, you feel it very much throughout your day, especially as an adult who has to work. (laughs) It's very different. Um, uh, I am not at my highest functioning capacity. This podcast would be garbage if I wasn't getting eight hours of sleep. So, um, one of sleep's biggest problems is the temperature. It's really hard to get good sleep if you're too hot or cold. And um, it, it is very much summer in Cleveland right now. And Cleveland loves to go from like one week of spring to just full on summer. And it's been so hot lately. And if you don't have air conditioning or a window unit or whatever, um, it's tough. So I want to tell you about the Pod by Eight Sleep. The Pod by Eight Sleep is a high tech bed. It is designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. And it was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. 43 million. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. So if you like your bed cooler um, if, if you're, and if your partner uh, likes the bed warm, you can have both at the exact same time in a crazy comfortable bed. So sleep longer and deeper so you can wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world to celebrate Independence Day and America's birthday. Get a free gravity cooling blanket plus free shipping with your pod purchase. That is a $300 value free. That offer ends Monday, July 8th. So visit 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's 8sleep.com slash bluewire. E-I-G-H-T, 8sleep.com slash bluewire. And grab your free uh, grab your free offer today. So yeah, um, to close this thing out, 
This was my chat with Richard Higgins during Brown's minicamp, talking about his journey back to being one of the most crucial wide receivers uh, for the Cleveland Browns and a guy that has developed a really great relationship with Baker Mayfield. So thank you for listening, and uh, please rate and subscribe. I'll be back next week, and enjoy my chat with Richard Higgins. And I don't know, uh, your story is just kind of crazy to me from where you started to kind of where you are now. So the first thing I want to ask you is, do you ever think about how it's just wild that you're sort of the last receiver left from that initial group that you came and drafted with? Corey is obviously with the Giants, but Jordan Payton and Carter Lewis, everybody's kind of, you kind of stuck it out and made it. Do you ever just kind of think about like where you started when you got drafted and guys you came in with and how just how things have changed kind of over the years since then? Oh, absolutely. Um, I feel like what sets, what sets me over the most is um, being consistent, you know? Um, I've never been the fastest, never been the strongest, but I feel like by me being smart on the field, knowing different positions, and just going out and doing it at a high level, feel me? I feel like that's what kept me kept me here so this long. So yeah, yeah. Um, and you know those those early years, obviously, you know, there's a lot written about. You know, when you got released, and you had to join the practice squad, and now you've kind of come back. What do you what do you just sort of remember about I don't know, I know the rookie year was tough and then you kinda of had to fight your way back on the roster. When you you've come a long way since then, but what do you remember sort of just about that time? Was that how difficult was that for you? But then did you have an eye on like did you know you would be back on a roster? Was it something where it was sort of a really unknown kind of time in your life? You know what? It was it was hard because going into that Pittsburgh game mm-hmm. I was starting. We already had made the roster cuts, and for them to come tell me that I had got cut, I was just like, damn, like, what did I do wrong, or you feel me, like, what what could I have did better, but I never had the answers. Um, unfortunately, they called me back, and before they called me back, I was just at home wondering, like, yeah. Like damn, like what did I do? Like I was asking myself, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, they called me back the next morning or whatnot, and I was on the practice squad. And we were going into the Steelers game, and the, the guys was like brand new. They didn't know the plays, obviously, and it's just like why, like why? That's all I can ask myself is why. Um, once they brought me back, it was a Baltimore game. And I balled, bro. And I tried to get him a reason, like, not, like, not to cut me again. Yeah. You feel me? So, yeah, bro. When you, so you're talking about, like, you just didn't have an answer to, like, why? What did I do? Did you, were you able to, like, lean on anybody during that time? Like, were there teammates you could call and try to talk to? Like, who were you sort of talking to in that time when you didn't know what your sort of future in the NFL held? I couldn't, I didn't lean on nobody. Yeah. All my friend, all my teammates was here. Um, they were telling me how the new guys didn't even know the plays. They were confused on why they had cut me. I really didn't have nobody leaning on. I, I prayed. I prayed daily. I prayed hard that night, man. And I mean, if you can say I, who did I get any information from, I guess you could say God, man, because at the end of the day, he's the reason why I'm here. So. Sure. 
And then, you know, I remember coming out here last year early on in training camp, and even though you and Baker were on the second team, it just felt like every day you guys were connecting and making a big play, whether it was a touchdown pass, whether it was just a big pass, whatever. And I remember really noticing that and people being like, oh, Richard was making some plays with Baker on that second team. How did you and Baker sort of develop that chemistry so early on? Um, and do you feel like that sort of helped you kind of going into last season, that connection when you guys were in training camp on that second team that really kind of helped you have the season that you did? Oh, most definitely. I feel like us having a relationship off the football field as well mm -hmm. um, helped us a lot. You know, just going places to eat, hanging out, playing video games, and just being around each other, you feel me? Um, getting a feel for each other, him knowing what, what I like and who – like who my brother or sister may be, you know, it just comes down to little things like that. And at the end of the day, Baker is like, I feel like I'm, he's comfortable. He 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 can trust me. You feel me? So at the end of the day, he knows where I'm gonna be at and how I'm gonna do things, and that's what made our connection pretty much special. For sure. So you talk about you guys would kind of like eat dinner, play videos, and stuff. What were some of the stuff you guys would just kind of do after practice? Oh, we would get the timing down on certain routes. You know, that's when we had Tyrod as well. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I mean, I don't really know how to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, just, like, in terms of you talked about how, like, just hanging out and doing stuff. Like, was that something where you guys would just hit each other up because, you know, he was a rookie, you were a guy trying to make it be like, hey, let's go do this, let's go do this. Was that sort of how that sort of developed? Oh, yeah. We, yeah. I was just like, hey, man, let's go do this. Like, are you available today? Mm -hmm. You want to hang? Like little stuff like that, and that's what that's what brought us together. Sure. And something I think that stands out, at least to me, about you, and some of the stats, I think last year you had the most catches for uh, first downs out of all the receivers. Just some of your sort of the advanced stats about you and Baker are really kind of crazy to look at. And, your route running too, I feel like, is so is smooth and becomes such a big part of, of your game. Was there a moment, whether it was last year or the year before, that things started to really kind of like click for you? Was there a game, was there a practice where you really felt like, I'm doing this, like I know, I really feel confident in my abilities? Was there ever a moment like that for you? Um, I would say, I would say it started in camp. Okay. I started getting my confidence back, and the game started to feel like college all over again. No, uh, I didn't feel like it was a lot of pressure, but I just felt the need to to just go out there and do what I do the best, and to realize why why I'm here, and I'm here to play football, and and they drafted me to catch balls, man. So at the end of the day, I just gotta know like my reason why I'm here, and with Baker throwing me the ball and stuff, man, it brought me a lot of confidence. Um, Jarvis. Obviously, um, he was somebody that I looked up to as a route runner, as somebody to catch the ball, and seeing him going out and working, it built my confidence up a lot as well. So um, I, I believe like with those guys, uh, they helped bring my confidence up. I don't know if they know it or not, but they helped me bring it. And is that something you kind of touched on, but is that something that you didn't have in those first couple of years? You just didn't have a guy like a Jarvis to lean on? Like, is that important now that you've kind of had a couple of veterans to kind of be with before those first couple of years when you didn't have that? How, does that? how important was that for you? Yeah, first I had Andrew Hawkins. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Hawk, Hawk, um, he taught me the way. Um, he taught me a lot as well. But um, when it was my time, I feel like I was just out there by myself, you feel me? Like, my first year, I didn't play that much. My second year, obviously, I started and stuff. But going into my third year, 
I just felt like having somebody that you look up to and having somebody that you watch highlights on and then like, damn, he's making the plays. And you see him out, actually out there doing the stuff. Mm-hmm. He don't drop balls, so why, why would I drop the ball, you know? Like, I always kind of see it as a competition. So that's what kind of keeps me on my feet as well. Cool. And when you, just in terms of like this receiving group in this year, obviously Odell's gotten a lot of the press, but look at yourself, you look at Antonio Callaway, who flashed last year and, and, you know, was a rookie and has a lot of growth ahead of him. When you just look at everybody that's a part of this receiving board, what do you sort of envision for both yourself and this entire group as you kind of look forward to the season? I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. I see us doing a lot of great things, man. I see us being like one of the top receiving corps in the, in the NFL, you know, not only not only us receivers, but we got David as well. We got we got dude coming out the backfield with Kareem Hunt. You feel me? And we got I was one of the top backs, um, Nick Chubbs. You feel me? So there's gonna be a lot of a press on us, obviously, but I don't feel like it's a lot of pressure. We we all know how to to ball. We we make plays. And we're here to do one job, and that's to, to get to the playoffs, win the Super Bowl. For sure. And the last thing I wanted to ask was, so you're the original kind of Hollywood nickname, and now you have Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma who mm-hmm. went to Baltimore. It's going to be a little bit of a little competition. Like, hey, that's my nickname, man. You can't, be, uh, can't have two of those in the division. Sure. Yeah. We'll see, man. I don't even want to speak on it, but yeah, we'll see. For sure. For sure. Um, Oh, and lastly, I did. I, I want your touchdown celebration is maybe my favorite of everybody on the whole team. The red carpet thing you guys do. You gonna keep it, or are you gonna you gonna mix it up? Okay. Absolutely. I gotta I gotta stay the same. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know, but I put on my bow tie. Yeah. Kind make of sure everything up. straightened up, <laughs> and I grab my suitcase and I strut the red carpet, man. We're about business. Um, after every first down, I kind of adjust myself. Like I'm getting ready to. Because when I hit the red, because when I went get to the end zone, yeah. it's gonna be a celebration. So okay, so it's all sort of a lead up to that. I didn't realize when you get the first down. Yeah, it kind of leads up to it. So it's all, it's all. That's that's what that's little things like that. It brings me confidence. Yeah, for me. And I'm just being myself at the end of the day. For sure, and it feels like confidence is a big thing for you. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck this season. Thank you.